to believe what I have. Talk shoes. Recorded live. What was that, Russell? I said, you're not going to believe what I had in mind for tonight. What do you have in mind? I was sitting here thinking, I think, I just hope Doug just takes the ball and runs with it tonight. I want to hear some. Yeah, I was thinking, I just want to hear God's word read over the air. All right, open your Bibles. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 27. Okay. And we will read from the Bible. Since Russell wants to hear from the Bible, then hear from the Bible we shall. Well, I thought maybe you might have something that we needed to hear. Well, um, I've been doing a little study. I got a little sidetracked, uh, you know, as Texas often talks about uh, getting uh, going in an undertaking in one direction, and uh, all of a sudden you get a little sidetracked. Uh-huh. But it is... It is all tied together. I mean, I've been kind of studying things out, as I've been telling you over the past several uh, weeks and now even months, about uh, my interest in in this uh, constitutional dilemma that I have come to conclude uh, all Christian Americans should should have. And um, so this ties in with it, and it ties in on this, basis. So let me uh, read here from Deuteronomy chapter 27. Um, All right. Um, In the beginning of chapter 27, I'll skip about six or seven verses or eight or so verses here, Um, but God basically tells them that uh, he gathered, Moses gathered, well, let's just read it. Uh, Moses, 20, you said 27? Deuteronomy 27. We're beginning okay, with verse. Okay. Uh, and which first verse? Okay. All right. And, is, and am I clear enough, audio and everything, everybody? Oh, I think you're coming in crystal clear with that thin air. All right. Here we yeah. go. And Moses, with the elders of Israel, commanded the people, uh, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you this day. And it shall be on the day when you shall pass over Jordan unto the land which the Lord God gives thee, that thou shalt set thee up great stones and plaster them with plaster. And thou shalt write upon them all the words of this law when thou art passed over that thou mayest go in unto the land which the Lord thy God gives thee, a land that flows with milk and honey, as the Lord God of thy fathers has promised. Something just occurred to me there. Remind me to go back into verse 3 there. Therefore it shall be... What? Something occurred to me. It's like he endorsed the state of Wisconsin. You know, you hear people tell telling you milk's not healthy. Why would God endorse it? If it was Uh, bad for you. Yeah. Okay, sorry. That's all right. Therefore, 
Therefore it shall be when you be gone over Jordan that you shall set up these stones which I command you this day in Mount Ebal, and thou shalt plaster them with plaster. And there shall thou build an altar unto the Lord thy God, an altar of stones. Thou shalt not lift up any iron tool upon them. Thou shalt build the altar of the Lord thy God of whole stones, and thou shalt offer burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord thy God. Thou shalt offer peace offerings, and shalt eat there, and rejoice before the Lord thy God. And thou shalt write upon the stones all the words of this law very plainly. And Moses and the priests, the Levites, spake unto all Israel, saying, Take heed and hearken, O Israel, this day thou art become the people of the Lord thy God. That's a pretty good one there, too. Thou shalt therefore obey the voice of the Lord thy God and do his commandments and his statutes which I command you this day. And Moses charged the people the same day, saying, These shall stand upon Mount Gerizim to bless the people where, when you came over uh, Jordan, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and uh, Joseph, and Benjamin. And these shall stand upon Mount Ebal to curse Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. And the Levites shall speak and say unto all the men of Israel with a loud voice, Cursed be the man that makes any graven or molten image an abomination unto the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and puts it in a secret place. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Cursed be he that setteth light by his father or his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that removes his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that makes the blind to wander out of the way, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that perverteth the judgment of the stranger, the fatherless, and widow, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that lies with his father's wife, because he uncovered his father's skirt, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that lieth with any manner of beast, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that lieth with his sister, the daughter of his father, or the daughter of his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that lies with his mother-in-law, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that smites his neighbor secretly, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that takes reward to slay an innocent person, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that confirms not to do all the words of this law to do them, and all the people shall say, Amen. And it came to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall you be the fruit of your body and the fruit of thy ground and the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind, the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be the basket and the store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comes in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goes out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face, and shall come out against thee one way 
and flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in the storehouses and in all that thou settest thy hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God gives thee. The Lord shall establish thee a holy people unto himself as he has sworn unto thee. And thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. And all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of thee. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods, in the fruit of thy body, the fruit of thy cattle, and the fruit of the ground, in the land which the Lord swear unto his fathers to give you. The Lord shall open unto thee this good treasure, the, the heaven to give the rain unto thy land in its season, and to bless all the work of thine hand, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. And the Lord shall make thee head and not the tail, and thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath, if thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord, thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do. <clears throat> and thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day, to the right hand or to the left, or go after other gods to serve them. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed shall thou be in the city, and cursed shalt thou be in the field. Cursed shall be the basket and the store. Cursed shall be the fruit of the body, the fruit of the land, the increase of the kind, and the flocks of the sheep. Cursed shalt thou be when you comest in, and cursed shalt thou be when you go out. The Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation, rebuke, and all that thou settest thine hand unto to do, until thou be destroyed, and until thou perish quickly because of the wickedness of thy doings, whereby thou hast forsaken me. The Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee, and until he has consumed thee from off the land, whither thou goest to possess. The Lord shall smite thee with a consumption, with a fever, with an inflammation, with an extreme burning, and with the sword, and with blasting, with mildew, and they shall pursue thee until thou perish. And thy heaven that is over thy head shall be brass, and the earth that is under thee shall be as iron. The Lord shall make the rain of thy land powder, and dust from heaven shall come down upon thee until thou be destroyed. The Lord shall cause thee to be smitten before your enemies. Thou shalt go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them and shall be removed unto all the kingdoms of the earth. Thy carcasses shall be meat unto all fowls of the air, and unto the beasts of the earth, and no man shall fray them away. The Lord will smite thee with the botch of Egypt, and with the emeralds, and with the scab, and with the itch, whereof thou canst be healed. The Lord shall smite thee with madness, and blindness, and astonishment of heart. Thou shalt grope at noonday as the blind gropes in darkness. Thou shalt not prosper in thy ways, and thou shalt be only oppressed and spoiled evermore, and no man shall save thee. Thou shalt betroth a wife, and another man shall lie with her. Thou shalt build a house, and thou shalt not dwell therein. Thou shalt plant a vineyard, and shalt not gather the grapes thereof. Thine ox shall be slain before thee, eyes and thou shalt not eat thereof. Thine ass shall be violently taken away before thy face, and shall not be restored to thee. Thy sheep shall be given unto thine enemies, and thou shalt have none to rescue them. 
Thy sons and thy daughters shall be given unto other and other people, and thine eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all the day long, and there shall be no might in thine hand. The fruit of thy land and all thy labors shall a nation which thou knowest not eat up, and thou shalt be only oppressed and crushed alway. So that thou shalt be mad for the sight of your eyes which thou shalt see. The Lord shall smite thee in the knees and in the legs with a sore box that cannot be healed from the sole of thy foot to the top of thy head. The Lord shall bring thee and thy king which thou shalt set over thee unto a nation which neither thou nor thy fathers have known. And there shalt thou serve other gods, wood and stone. Thou shalt become an astonishment, a proverb, a byword among all the nations whither the Lord shall lead thee. Thou shalt not carry much seed out into the field, and shalt gather but little. Thou shalt carry much seed out into the field, and shalt gather but little in, for the locust shall consume it. Thou shalt plant vineyards and dress them, but shall neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes, for the worms will eat them. Thou shalt have olive trees throughout all thy coasts, but thou shalt not anoint thyself with the oil for thine olive shall cast his fruit. Thou shalt beget sons and daughters, but thou shalt not enjoy them, for they shall go into captivity. All thy trees and fruit of the land shall the locusts consume. The stranger that is within thee shall get up above thee very high. Thou shalt come down very low. He shall lend to thee, and thou shalt not lend to him, but he shall be the head, and thou shalt be the tail. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee, and shall pursue thee, and overtake thee till thou be destroyed, because thou hearken not not unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments, his statutes, which he commanded you this day. And they shall be upon thee for a sign and a wonder, and upon thy seed forever. Well, you know, I really shouldn't shouldn't probably stop. Um, But I I will. And the reason that I got off in this direction is because something that occurred to me and it was inspired by another author as well as another um, preacher And it has to do with oaths. And I'd like to give you Webster's Dictionary 1828 definition of malediction. This is the definition of malediction. M-A-L-E-D-I-C-T-I-O-N. It would basically be mal addiction or maldiction um, diction being writing or word to speak and mal being a contrary word or speaking so let me give you the definition it's Latin maledicto uh, male evil, and deco to speak. The definition is evil speaking, denunciation of evil, 
a cursing, curse, or execration. Malediction, evil speaking, denunciation of evil, a cursing, curse, or execration. And the thought occurred to me that what this is in Deuteronomy 27, and I've never heard anybody else refer to this. I think some of the people will remember that I was approaching this toward the latter portions of my time doing the Solutions broadcast, that it was interesting to me that I came across the understanding that those who were on the sides of the blessings in this division of the tribes of Israel or the sons of Israel, it was interesting to me to learn and come to the understanding through study that I was doing at the time that those who were on Gerizim with the blessing were all the sons of proper conjugal union and all of those that are on the sides of the curses were those born not of the proper conjugal unions. In other words, these were the sons that were born to um, uh, handmaids or um, concubines. Out of order. Out, out, of, out of the you know, biblical, conjugal, correct uh, plan order. of God. Well, uh, will of God, you know, to to proper, you know, uh, proper procreation. All right, so that was enough in and of itself back then, and I did, uh, you know, go into some details on that, and I'm not going to do that here tonight. But um, the thought occurred to me about oaths of office and about oaths in general. As you know, I have written a very specific oath called the Pledge of uh, the uh, Declaration of Dependence, which is, a, which is a pledge, if you will, or an oath. It's a malediction in certain respects. Uh, maybe I should withhold that saying it's a malediction um, at this time until I finish, and then maybe I can, I can see if I'm actually correct on that, because Malediction, in order for an oath to be an actual oath, it has to be an oath on an authority higher than the one taking the oath. So, for example, I'm going to read to you from 5 U.S. Code Section 33, well, it's 3331. 3331. I blank do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I'm about to enter so help me God. 
All right, now there may be other oaths that a particular individual may be required to take, but I believe this one is sufficient for now for the purpose of getting our eyes on the true mark and understanding something from an oath that we should take. In this case, this is an oath of a individual appointed to an office or uh, you know, any of these, senator, you know, congressman, so forth, uh, the president takes a slightly different oath. Um, but the point I want to make out or bring about is that God, in his infinite wisdom, he knows law like no one knows law. And Russell, Jeremiah, true... I think back to the days when I used to have people that were on all on other hourly broadcasts who disregarded law continually. And I I respect more and more every year that goes by in my walk with Christ that law is absolutely paramount, absolutely fully critical to truly understanding God's divine plan and his divine will. And if you do not understand law, if you do not have the concept of law, a biblical concept of law, then you can never fully appreciate what our God, what our Creator, has actually put us in the midst of His grand creation to do and to carry out and fulfill the Creator's design and will with His most prized creation, and that is His people. So there's a platitude, I guess, but I just felt it necessary to put that out. So when I when I think of these things, such as oaths, I began to consider this Gerizim and Ebal. I believe the time, if if the spirit could actually make my recollection complete. I believe that he was probably leading me here already many years ago because I wrote that Declaration of Dependence at least five or so years ago. I'm even thinking it may be more like six or seven. But that's not important as as what it is that I think we need to learn here. If you can, if you are to take an oath, you are to take that oath by invoking someone or something that is greater than you are. Now, for example, Russell, you're aware of a notary public, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, now when you stand before a notary public to have your signature notarized, that notary public has actually taken an oath. And that oath that that notary public takes 
is an oath that it is confirming or affirming of something that is higher than he or she. And what is that something that is higher than he or she? That something that is higher than he or she? Yeah, that is taking that oath. What, it's very simple. Don't overthink it. What is the what is that authority that is higher than he or she which is taking that oath to become a notary or a congressman or a senator? But I'm I'm using the I'm using the uh, the uh, um, uh, the notary because that's a local level. So yeah. Well, I, he, I'm assuming their authority comes from the state. Absolutely. See, that's the authority that is greater than themselves, correct? Uh-huh. So just because you invoke the name of God does not mean you're invoking the name of God as the authority unless you specifically state that. So you're actually swearing to God that you'll follow the state. You're actually swearing to the state that you'll follow the state, so help you God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's kind of weird, isn't it? Well, it is kind of weird, but... Because you're <laughs> oathing before God to just to follow man. Yes, you are. That's so help exactly. me God. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the wrong path, so help me God. Okay, now let's go back to that oath there that we just read it at uh at five US code thirty three thirty one. Uh-huh. I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. Wow. You get it, don't you, Russell? Yeah. I will defend the word. I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. Okay, so in that that supporting comes endorsing and believing and defending. And defending. And defending, yeah. That's much more than they do for God, isn't it? Well, okay, so, Russell, you agree to defend this Constitution of the United States, okay? Even if that Constitution of the United States tells you your God has no place in the school. And that Constitution tells you two men shall be married. You got it. Are you following this, Jeremiah? Yeah. Is it making sense? So far. Okay, I just want to be sure that I'm making sense because I don't have any of this put down in note format yet for any kind of a message or anything. Um, and I, it's it's really, um, it's really very very important. It's revealing. Very revealing. It is it is very instructive, as they say. Uh-huh. It it is it is the 
quintessential teachable moment. I believe you're right. Because it's uh, comprehensible if you just give it a second and let it sink in. Right. And you can it's see. The, it, it's the magic spell. It's the controlling mechanism. It 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 is... It is on the order of sorcery when you mm-hmm. consider when you consider that people can repeat these things over and over and over again for hundreds of years uh-huh without recognizing what it is that they are doing uh-huh and that is profound because it it shows you how easy it is to control a people. If you know how to control, and if you you understand fully control mechanisms and how they work, and if you understand God's divine immutable laws. See, Russell, we know, we have learned that God's word is true. When he said he was going to bring a curse on these people, he brought a curse on them, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And it's all there for anyone to see. But the thing that happened to me is I I recognize that there is something that is needed in an oath, and it is called a malediction for it to be a true oath. And our God, in his infinite wisdom, because he is the word, the word was made flesh and dwelt upon uh, amongst us, and He is the law. The law, as Paul said, is spiritual. Well, think about the Lord's Prayer. Thy law be done on earth as it is in space where thy dwell. I mean, that's what the will is, the law. Absolutely. His will was to obey his commands. Uh Uh-huh. So, now, I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies. All right? Russell, remember my four uh, principles of law that I've read a few times? Uh If, If Russell comes along and says, well, I don't think what you're doing is right because my God tells me that I am supposed to obey him. Enemy, enemy, enemy alert, enemy, enemy, enemy alert. <laughs> You're right. It's like a fire alarm. It's like a fire alarm. And Russell is an enemy. And he's, he a, he's, an not, enemy. he's not a foreign enemy. He's a domestic enemy. Mm-hmm. And doesn't this just play right into what you called me about this weekend? <laughs> yeah. You see what I mean? 
Uh-huh. And that's why you're sitting there scratching your head saying, why do our people not see that they're in enemies? You know, they're either in enemy territory or they are enemies uh, themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. And and the war that's being waged. And that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. What are you professing? What is this person taking this oath professing to do? Professing to bear true faith and allegiance to the same. What same? Same to the same. I will bear uh, truth, faith, and allegiance to the same. To, To what? To the Constitution of the United States. All right. This maledic- and, and I think it's important that you mention the word constitution and definition of that particular word. It's a system or philosophy of determining your your behavior. I mean, look it up. You got your dictionary there, don't you? Yeah, what do you want me to look up? Constitution. I want you to look up that word con. Constitution. This thing they're giving an oath to. What is it? Literally. Literally. It's a system of belief. It's your personal system of determinant of how you're going to behave. It sums you up. Take the place of the Bible. It's a false witness. I want to read you definition five of Webster's eighteen twenty eight. A particular law ordinance, <clears throat> excuse me, a particular law ordinance or regulation made by the authority of any superior civil or ecclesiastical as the constitutions of Justinian and his successors. Hmm. <laughs> so they a particular, law, a particular law, ordinance, or regulation made by the authority of any superior, civil or ecclesiastical, as the constitution of Justinian and his successors. Well, who was Justinian? I'm not sure. He was a Roman emperor. He was the so, law then. Yeah, so he he was he was the the superior authority, civil authority, and one would even say that he was the ecclesiastical authority. Uh huh. And all of his successors were under the same constitution. Until that constitution can be run out of town, tore down, burned mm-hmm. to the ground. Well, the point I'm getting at, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the Ten Commandments is a constitution. Well, okay, this is the definition of the Constitution. 
the act of constituting, enacting, establishing, or appointing. Okay. So those laws were established. Those laws were con- those laws were constituted by an act of God. Uh-huh. They were enacted by an act of God with Israel. They were uh-huh. established and and appointed. And when God came in the flesh of his only begotten son and uh-huh. laid down his, his life for his people that he had constituted, enacted, established, and appointed his constitution, he rose again, did he not? Mm-hmm. And did he not show and tell the world that he still reigns, that he actually transferred that dominion to his son? And all power and authority was given to the son? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And it's as if we thumbed our nose at him and said, well, yeah, you've got this this constitution to live by that you've given your people. But we're going to one-up you. We're going to give them a constitution and tell them it's created by the people, the creation. It's superior to the one that was given by the Creator. That's they. That's how they sold it. I don't know how they got by with it. Now take it one step further, though, on what I'm saying about maledictory and malediction. You see, because there you were, you you said the authority. They established this but they could swear by no authority higher than what? Their authority. Than the Constitution which they claim as their authority. You see, other in other words, what they would have had to have done would have said, we claim this Constitution as the highest authority of the universe and we claim the highest authority in oath or affirmation that is the creator Yahweh the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob Uh in ratifying this constitution and as such we swear an oath in his name to the ratification. But they couldn't have done that. The Christian community that was present at the time, as watered down as it was already becoming from the 1550s to the 1750s, as watered down as the Christians were already beginning to be at that point by the the other groups of peoples coming in, there is there would have been a, I mean, there was an uproar. There were people who saw this Constitution as being totally repugnant to the Word of God, totally. Uh And some of those were the Puritans of Connecticut who adopted the entire Bible as their Constitution. 1639. 
Very, very interesting, isn't it? It is. Okay, now back to the maledictory part of it, you see. In other words, there's one side of the oath that says that you make this oath by some higher authority other than yourself. Okay? So, so in this case, they're the only higher authority than themselves as they take this oath, they take this oath on the only thing higher than themselves in their understanding, which is the Constitution. So that's, that's why that oath actually is that way. So somebody who knows about law and understands and who, who has been doing this for hundreds, if not thousands of years, and they teach it to their children's children. You see, these are the people who write these kinds of things because of their understanding, their acute understanding of law. Now, maledictory. What you have in Deuteronomy 27 is the maledictory or the malediction. And what was the malediction? Let's go back to malediction. I gotta type that one back in and give you the definition. Evil speaking, denunciation of evil, a cursing, curse, or execration. You see, what God required in the law was that if you take this oath to abide by this you are not only going to swear by what is higher than you, you are going to take this oath to curse yourselves if you fail to do it. To be willing to bring a curse upon yourself. Okay, give you an example. Russell. Yes. You have just been accused of a crime. Uh-huh. It's a capital offense, crime that you've been committed of. Uh-huh. Accused of, I should say. You have Alleged. been accused. Yes. And you have witnesses that are going to testify. You, as well as those witnesses, those two witnesses or more that are going to testify, you both have to make a oath, a malediction oath. That is, you agree by the highest authority being God that if the testimony you are about to give is false, then God's curse come upon you. Amen. Okay. Are you with me? Yes, think so. Okay, so in other words, what you're doing is you're invoking the wrath of God upon you if you fail to testify truthfully. And so, uh-huh. Russell, you take this maledictory oath that says, I am willing to be killed, and I am willing for the curse of God to come upon me in death. Now, I've got to ask you, those witnesses against you, 
are they willing to take that same oath? No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. It would be a really strange character who would be willing to bring the curse of God upon himself. In other words, let my eyes be blinded. Let my limbs fall from me. Let me be eaten with canker worm. Whatever the curse that you wanted to curse upon yourself. Now remember what a curse is. A curse is a cause or a result of a wrong action. A curse. Curse is a verb. To utter a wish of evil against one. To imprecate. That's a very good word, imprecate. Because remember, Uh we heard a lot about imprecatory prayer. Uh Uh-huh. All right, so to imprecate evil upon or to call mischief or injury to fall upon. Thou shall not curse the ruler of thy people. Exodus 22, 28. Bless, God says, the word says, I think this is Paul's uh, Romans twelve fourteen. bless and curse not. Curse me, this people, for they are too mighty for me. Numbers 22, 6. That obviously is a reference to Baal, I believe. To uh, injure, to subject to evil, to vex, harass, or torment with great calamities. All right? So, you see, what I'm saying here is, is it's very important that we understand what a true malediction is and that God in his infinite wisdom he put together an oath that has a malediction so if you're going to swear by the highest authority which is Yahweh himself uh huh you had yeah, and he not only, he wants you to make that oath with a malediction. I think that that is extremely revealing. And that's what these guys did. Remember, is that they were... Mal- is that malediction the glue? The what? binding agent? Is that malediction the binding agent? That malediction is, well, for example, like I gave you the example as, as, a, as a witness testifying, and you're being put under oath. That malediction is going to turn just, a, I would say, nearly every false witness completely away. Because if this Russell guy is so crazy to bring the wrath of God down upon himself Uh and say of a certainty that he did not commit this crime, Uh I better be still sure that he committed this crime. And, you know, I'm really not so sure I am because I actually, you know, really I... Uh, you know, I'm probably, you know, maybe not really a witness to this because, you know, I was talking with Jeremiah and Jeremiah told me that he saw Russell do this. So really, I'm not, I'm not a witness. It was, it's Jeremiah uh-huh. that's a witness. Go get Jeremiah. I'm out. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> Poor Jeremiah. <laughs> so so now now we're gonna go get Jeremiah. We're gonna drag him up here. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Jeremiah's gonna go, Well wait wait a minute now. You know, uh I'm not really so sure that I really know anything at all either because I, I actually so, just <laughs> So let's I think actually, about let's think about this person that uh involved in this malediction and have no conscience. The guy that beats the lie detector. That's always possible, you see, and that's always what somebody would want to throw up. And they'd want to throw that up and say, you know, therefore, maledictions in oaths don't work. Because after no. all, God's not really here to carry out this punishment, you see, but but He is, and well, whether I'm, he, I'm thinking but, of people without a conscience. Yes, I I understand, but I'm saying the naysayers who would say, "Well, this is poppycock. We, we you know we couldn't try to do this because because people you know there's people who who would lie and and bring a malediction." Uh, because they don't believe that God exists, and they're not afraid that God's going to do anything. Okay, and let's say that the guy goes out, and he isn't struck dead in the street. Let's say he goes out, and he's not blinded. Let's say he goes out, and he doesn't wither with a a disease. Today. Uh Today. Uh I'm thinking of the uh, incident that took place at Branson. There was an oath of malediction involved. Do you remember that day? I think they washed feet, feet prior to it, and I believe uh, I believe it could have been Chris Blankenship that that prayed the oath, but I think it was Pastor Peters, and it was a strong one. And if you be not of what he discussed, he brought down the wrath of he was praying down the wrath of God on any liars or or false witnesses. I just remember that day I thought, boy, you'd have to be pretty bold to stay in that room as a phony and a liar. I don't I didn't know if you remembered that. It was right washing yeah I do remember the day and and uh i uh I guess I can't remember if it was the words that were spoken the the specific words or even who was I would not have believed that that would have been the pastor turning that over to chris um no, I think that the pastor may have prayed the words because he was uh, trying to to weed out yeah. whole herd. I I think, but remember that's probably been ten years now. I guess I don't know. It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 
So that's what I believe this was in, in Deuteronomy 27. And interestingly, when when I began to come to this understanding of the, the different uh, sons on the different sides of the mountain, I was searching for somebody that had some information or that, you know, maybe in the commentaries or anything. And I frankly didn't come up with anything by anybody as to um, that that was even, uh, I guess, you know, discussed in, in any theological terms or even if there was a purpose for which side of the mountain or anything. Uh, there, uh-huh. There's some study that suggested that Gerzim was more uh, fruitful of a, of a ground and a land than than was uh, Ebal. And, but I've also read that that is contrary, that that's actually not the case. Uh, so really there's no, uh, there's nothing about, you know, why the, the specific mountains, other than the fact that apparently um, probably the best thing I could get on it uh, was that um, these two mountains were affixed in such a way that it's quite profound how the voice is carried. So you could, in fact, as I understood, uh, stand on Gerizim and shout something, and those on Ebal could hear because of the acoustical characters, uh, characteristics of the valley and the mountains. Uh-huh. And, and that's why it was done there. Um, and who would have known the acoustical characteristics of, of that other than the creator himself? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, so anyhow, that was, uh, that was something. And when you, when you read through 27 and 28, um, you know, it, it starts out, um, um, you know, Moses charging the people, and um, and and he, you know, he carries forth, you know, right on through to the, you know, to the curses and the blessings there in Deuteronomy 28, and. You know, another thing is revealed in 28 because it says that, you know, the the king that you set over you. And so there was already a prophecy being foretold right there in, in Deuteronomy 28 of the king that they were going to put over them. And um, I, I guess I particularly missed that all the years that I've read that scripture. Um, but... Uh, you know, another thing that occurred to me during this reading of this particular scripture, once again, um, I was drawn to the aspect of, of the lending. And as I've been going through this, this constitution, of course, I've, you know, I, I contemplated the, the article where Congress shall have the power to, uh, to borrow money. And that right there is a curse, according to God, because he, you know, he said, "You will lend to many, but you will borrow from none." Who and who would the Congress be borrowing from? Well, exactly. 
another nation? What? How else could you explain it? Exactly. So, you know, borrow money. Well, some might some might argue and say, well, no, borrowing money on the credit of the United States means borrowing the money that that is collectively the nation's, you know, money supply uh, because of the production of gold and silver, since gold and silver was to be the monetary unit was 0.999 fine silver. Um, and well, let's think out. about this. What on earth could possibly cost, cause our Congress to have to borrow money? Well, there's only one explanation that would come to mind would be an emergency such as a war, right? Yeah. Okay. So, and and I don't think that's a, a, that's not right, but as an enemy to the United States, within the United States, it nothing would please you more than to see a world war cooked up, especially if you were a loner or involved in the loaning trade. There's your reason for wars. Why would well, you need a Doug if you were applying the the laws of God? Why would a war ever be necessary if a bad guy was dealt with accordingly? Amen. Uh, Let's say a foreigner invaded your land. You self-defense, right? Yep. As a group, you self-defense. You draw together and defend. And over and over and over, God delivered the people to victory, didn't he? So, there's not an example of the Israelites borrowing money to win, is there? No. So, I certainly never, ever thought that one. That's blatant. That's blatantly anti-Christian. Well, it's certainly anti-biblical. It's anti-blessing. It's uh, it falls in the category of a curse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of struck me too. Just that, you know, there's there's more there in Deuteronomy 28 that, you know, we could probably go to and refer in the various scriptures, you know. Uh, but, um, you know, even, even I, I'm just sitting here looking at Article 1, Section 8, and uh, to, uh, to establish, uh, excuse me, to provide, uh, where was that at? Well, that whole thing is just a mini- Version of God's laws, but rewritten by man for man, circumventing God's laws. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, 
it should be we should all be asking ourselves how it has escaped us for so long. Because that, of more camouflage. Because there's propaganda. That's the and, camo. And and the propaganda us I'm afraid the the greatest propagandists for this document Huh? It was school. Public I think school. the greatest I think the greatest propaganda is of this of this document was the church world. Of course. They had to get the pastors to endorse it. Yeah. And because when you walked into those houses of worship back then, um, you know, two things were happening. Oh, my. You know, the mother nation is coming over with her troops. So that's one reaction. Then uh-huh. when, when the war of independence is actually won, and... Um, you know, that's even questionable as to whether or not that really actually happened uh-huh. or, if, or if that was part of the propaganda. Uh-huh. I've often thought that. They never, our enemies never left the United States that were Tories. No. <laughs> When you, if we'd have won the war, we'd have cleaned the plow, wouldn't we? Uh, you you would think that, but but in these kinds of wars, you know, God instructed when when you get into these wars, you you clean house, uh-huh. clear down the bare floor. We never cleaned anything. But in our in our wars, it seems like all we do is is make a declaration of victory. And everybody goes home, and some don't, and some do, and and then we all just get along and live together. Mm-hmm. I mean, it why is, is why is Japan under a parliamentary form of government if we conquered Japan? Yeah, well, that, those are good things, uh, good questions, because you see, um, if 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 what we understand that we are to be a blessing to the world, we should be teaching all nations how to implement God's law. Uh-huh. And there are some that say that, you know, we are promoting democracy all over the world because this is the greatest form of government that's ever been known to mankind in its history. Okay, so we're supposedly promoting democracy all over the world, but you just raised the point that Japan is parliamentarian, not democracy. Uh, not democracy. Parliamentarian is is different than than uh, the republic form of government. Than a republic form of government, and it's different than a the democratic republic, which I guess is. In essence, what we have today. Yeah, well, res publica, the public. This whole yep. thing is about 
people instead of God, or man instead of God. And doesn't that go all the way to the garden? Yeah. If it's, if man decides that he knows and that he has that? knowledge or that he can attain knowledge by some other way other than God imparting it to him, and if then in that same sense, if we believe that we can administer civil government without God, what was the accusation hurled at you from the Canadian? I think we need to introduce a little Jesus here. Yeah. You were talking about civil administration, weren't you? Yeah, I was, actually. And his problem with that was you didn't introduce enough Jesus, right? Yeah, he he accused me of being too political. Uh Uh-huh. And so I read... So so I read, and let me do it right now, political. Well, that's the uh, administration of the laws of the land, the process. Politics. Um, that isn't the, uh, let's see, political. Political. All right. And and so after that caller gave that uh, assertion, uh-huh. admonishment. Yes, and it and ad, admonishment to to the broadcast. He uh-huh. was fully he was fully welcome to ever whenever he wanted pick up the phone, send an email. And say, hey, I want to talk about Jesus. Okay. Uh-huh. Let's do that on the third Tuesday of, of whatever. Political. Mm-hmm. Adjective. Pertaining to policy or to civil government and its administration. Political measures or affairs are measures that respect the government of a nation or state. So we say political power or authority. Definition one, pertaining to a nation or state or to nations or states as distinguished from civil or municipal. Um, I I think that's all I did was read the first thing. Policy, Mm -hmm. political, pertaining to policy or to civil government and its administration. I think this online 1828 has actually had some stuff added to it. Because I think if I pull my 1828 out here and read you directly from it, I think it's a little different. And that's always the problem, is they they call it the 1828, but uh-huh. um, it's been edited. Yeah, um, it's curious to me, because I seem to recall... The four definitions that I... Yeah, okay. Um, no, maybe maybe it is. 
Maybe that's all I did. Um, was gave that first... Uh, oh, I probably did politics. The science of government, that part of ethics which consists in the regulation and government of a nation or state for the preservation of its safety, peace, and prosperity, comprehending the defense of its existence, rights against foreign control or conquest, the augmentation of the strength and resources, and the protection of its citizens in their rights with the preservation and improvement of their morals. Um, but it, it, that was a good message that I gave uh, in response to uh, that, but it never saw the light of day because uh, um, I guess John was not willing to to put it back on the archive, or Jason might have. I don't I guess I recall, but uh, I never looked back, I guess, to see if it was, or I never had any requests that it be made a a Sunday service broadcast, uh, uh, scriptural insight and study or anything. So <laughs> it, it obviously wasn't as good as I thought it was. <laughs> Don't be so but, of course, I have a high opinion of myself, I guess, so. Well, you wouldn't want a low opinion. Well, I certainly, uh, I certainly believe that I hit that one clear out of the ballpark there. But I missed one thing in that, in that, in that message that I can't believe that it keeps escaping me so much. But there's the scripture in in Romans, I think it is, um, where Paul says that the law is spiritual. Um. You remember where that is, Jeremiah? Um, no, but I can search it. Uh, Romans seven fourteen. Yep, I got it. Yeah. See, Paul was was very knowledgeable of the law. Uh huh. And um. Oh, I went to 17, but it's 7, 14. Um, uh, it is interesting that it comes in the chapter where he's explaining the law as it pertains to that marriage law that bound a man to his uh, his wife or his wife to a husband. It is very interesting that it comes to the same one. He, so he says, uh, what, "What was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid! But sin, that might it appear sin, working death in me, that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. See." The, these people who dislike law um, uh-huh. and and speak so boldly against law or or even can't understand when you are talking 
politics or political, if you will, you're talking about of or pertaining to civil administration. And 70% of our Bible is about the Israelites' civil administration. Yep. And the commands given God, uh, given by God for their duty to administrate in, in accordance with that law. And this law is spiritual. In other words, it, it exists without us even having to contemplate the letter of the law. In other words, naturally, it, it just, these things that are law just naturally are the law. It's like the law of gravity or the law of putting two components together and getting a boom uh-huh. or any ones of these kinds of things. That's the beauty of, of the creative force of law. And so when God gives us that law and shows us how to administer that law and how to deal with somebody when they fail to, you know, put an embattlement on their house to prevent liability. He teaches us how to deal with liability issues. He teaches us how to deal with monetary and debt situations and crises. He teaches us how to deal with, um, you know, somebody in theft and, and a whole host of of crimes today that we build prison houses for. Mm-hmm. For penance. And instead of instead of exacting the retribution that the law judgment demands mm-hmm. for the injured party. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Getting that scale even as quick as possible. Getting that what? The scale. All the lawyers use for a logo. Yeah. Yeah. Get it as equal as possible. Well, you know, and and God's justice isn't equal for both sides, is it? No. It's It's equal... For the injured party. It's completely one-sided. And if you don't have any money to pay the four to five times restitution, guess what? You get to go work at the king's image. Mm-hmm. And, and if I'm you won't that work that. at and, and and if Mr. King comes to me and reports to me and says, this man who stole from me and you have adjudicated that he is to return 30 days wages, he will not work. He will not work. Well, then what do I do when when he will not work? Quit feeding. Now, Now I throw a chain around his neck or on his ankles and I put him out there to fill potholes in the roads or whatever else, and he will work if he's drug around by the back of the vehicle. And mm-hmm. if he won't work, 
then he is good for nothing but to be trampled under the foot of men. Yeah. Now that's justice. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced that a lot of those slaves that came from Africa were were sold because they were in worthless indentured servants that the chiefs pulled out of their tribes. Now think about it. They're wandering around on safari and they get the chief Lulu's tribe and he goes, Take these two, they're worthless. <laughs> yeah. You you he wouldn't he wouldn't give the best, would he? No. And he'd say for a hundred bucks you can have them and their mother. <laughs> yeah, you 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 want you want bodies? Here, let me let here, let me give you the best workers I have. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. it's not going to happen, is it? No. And so, this is going to sound stupid, but I believe it could very well be true. Uh, their plight was improved over here. They had another chance. I think that many of those who were slaves, if they were alive today, they would be able to tell you that it was improved. That wouldn't be the case for all of them because there were wicked masters in America as there was wicked masters in South Africa. As there are wicked masters now, Harvey Weinstein is an example. You see... The behavior is the same. The titles just change, or the they just change stuff. Uh, the word "slave" comes from Slavia, doesn't it? A, a better word would be a servant. You think people don't serve these Hollywood gods and aren't enslaved to them? They they literally and these these corporate government jobs. Look at the FBI. Nobody's going to come out and say a word for fear they'll lose their pension. You know there. that whole that whole thing there, Russell. You, you know I look at this Constitution. Where in God's law did He say that you're to pay the judges? Uh, it's not in there. Where in God's law, you know, I have been reading a number of things here in the past several months to to formulate the the message series that I'm about to bring out, and I I keep hearing and reading about how many of these writers wrote of these framers of the Constitution as, in fact, Jefferson is one that they keep pounding on that he was so diligently studying the scriptures and so diligently studying Anglo-Saxons, how he had learned that the Anglo-Saxons had had lived in a, a civil society modeled after the ancient Israelites for nearly 800 years. And 
until the Norman invasion. And I, I'm marveling at the writers who are saying this because, of course, I don't have anything to go on in terms of original source material in order to say, yeah, by gosh, he did. I'm just, I'm just, I've got writers who are saying these things and attributing quotations to the things. And I'm sitting here in Article 1, Section 8, and I say, where in God's law does he want his nation to borrow money to borrow money? God, if you're, if you're studying ancient principles for crying out loud, why would you ever suppose in your mind that as a creator of a constitution, a written civil administrative document for this new nation, why on earth would you believe it would be necessary to borrow money on the credit of the United States? You best be careful. You know what they got Ezra Pounds for, don't you? Yeah. Sedition. And you know what he was doing? He was figuring this whole thing out. Yeah, I think he was doing. I think he was. He was. He was in Italy. And they sent people over there to catch him. And he he managed to escape. But all he was doing was warning of the obvious. The result of this uh, terrible war that was about to break loose. And this is how these bastards operate. When you come out with the truth, Boy, do they slander, don't they? And misconstrue, misquote. They're real good at it. But that was enlightening, Doug. Well... Yeah, it's uh, already approaching 9 o'clock already, isn't it? That was fast, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Well, all right. Uh, so there was something there. Yes. All right. Well, then, mission accomplished, I guess. Uh, <laughs> what a way to start out 2018. Exactly. Yeah. You know, when you think about it, um, that is a way to start out 2018 with a declaration of dependence. Yeah. And an acknowledgement and an acknowledgement and understanding of the idolatry and the idols in our minds. Uh huh. Now, now you'll take the next step, whatever that step might be. Well, I've got about two handwritten notebooks full of notes that I've been working on in the last couple of months. And I'm about ready to start notebook number three. Gee, there's more to go then. 
Let the Holy Spirit lead. Amen. And uh, so uh, I'm praying that 2018 will be the year that uh, I get things wrapped up here with Betty's uh, affairs and I can uh, I can lean into this with uh, with uh, full intent and effort because I I would like to. What is the status report on Betty's flesh? Well, um, I found the uh, the third beneficiary. I'm pleased to say, and that is contrary to what I was initially told by my co-trustee that she didn't believe that any of those beneficiaries existed. So I not only have found. Uh, the one uh-huh. uh, I've now found the second uh, the third beneficiary of course is is the person that's my co-trustee but um, so it's uh, you know it. I, I've notified them and um, um, everything's you know progressing and, and that you know that's going to take time for for the assets, uh, they've all been coalesced, I guess, and uh, and now it's it's time for the the assets to become liquid, if you will, and then from there they get distributed. So uh, there's there's still a, a ways to go, but um, with prayers, what is your brother still there? Yeah, he is. Well, he's sleeping out in the cold house. Uh, yeah, you know, I uh, I guess uh, I don't know what it got there, but he's in high desert, so it it may very well have gotten pretty chilly. But he's from Wyoming, so he knows cold too. So I was just to say, no big sweat for you, Wyomians. <laughs> Me and Truth thought. We were really in a <laughs> Arctic blast. We were. <laughs> with a huh? heater sitting next to us. <laughs> we didn't even point it towards us after you told us. Well, with 10 degrees, uh, you were in an Arctic blast. Well, I mean, when the night we were there, I don't know what it got down to, but it was nothing compared to now. No, yeah, I you were you were probably you were probably at that time that was probably still upper forties. Uh huh. And, and it was yeah, maybe a mid forty or something there cooled off. Mhm. And and as that sun came up, boy, it sure changed everything. Yeah. I mean, it turned into a beautiful day. You remember? Yeah. Well, I don't suppose you've heard anything from anybody else. I got an email from Matthew wondering uh, if we were all okay, and that was all he said. So um, I fired back an email to him and said that uh, we were all fine, and and uh, and that's all there was. So we understood or understand that. He- 